in the cabbage. Right, let's get it. Test, test, test. Yeah, we're live. Welcome to In the Cabbage. <laughs> this is crazy. This is pretty bananas right now <laughs> that we're actually doing this. I'm Tommy Sweat. Andrew Witt. Please subscribe. Please listen. Please download. Like. Just a reminder. Keep swinging. Swim to my right or your left, Andrew Witt. What's up, fam? Hey, Andrew, before we get too deep, is that camera a little crooked? What do we think? I think it looks like it's the right side's a little bit a little low down. on the right. Okay, we're gonna reclap in. Sorry, I love Dave. it. No, 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 we can just let it fly. We can just make it a very, very casual intro here to our, for our first YouTube sesh. Now, the right side looks a little high. Perfect, just right. That's goalie locks right there, baby. Sorry, Dev. Sorry, Dev. Fr- from the top. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, welcome back to In the Cabbage. I'm your boy, Tommy Swain. To my right or your left, Andrew Witt. Yo, yo. Welcome for the second intro. A little rusty the boys are. Yeah, we 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 can't be releasing, hopefully, cross our fingers, hope to, you know, and hope to die kind of situation right. here. We, uh, the video makes it up. But yeah, we can't be starting off the, the video chain with a little bit of a crooked camera. Can't be having that. Can't have that. I mean, if we're going to upload our first YouTube video <laughs> and it's crooked at some point, it would upset me. Now, is it going to be Spielberg level? Maybe not. But, yeah, let's not go there. Maybe not. Maybe not in the okay. same realm. Law of explosions. Maybe a couple tiers down from that too. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, we got to start somewhere, you know? How many directors can you name? Well, apart from Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of about it. It's tough, man. Tough for you? Yeah, I don't know any. Michael Bay? Yeah, I know Michael Bay. When you say them, I'm going to be like, yep, okay. I know. I mean, I just wanted to <laughs> show people how bad your movie knowledge is. <laughs> Because I don't really know director names. When people list off, oh, this guy directed this and that, it's always to me. I know uh, there's one that's a little bit more aggressive and gruesome and throws a lot more blood and that kind of stuff. They did, yeah. like, they did like Django. But, yes. you know, it's just it's just one of those things. It's a deep well and nothing's in it. That's my brain. No <laughs> I, name, that's I, for I sure. I have a name and it's just <laughs> rattling up here in this emptiness of my head. Um... Yeah, buddy. So back to something we do know, which is football. Um, both the, you know, champion, not championship games, but what would you call yeah, them? divisional title divisional games. Divisional title games. Thank you. Just finished up here. Um, let's break them down a little bit. Let's get into the Chiefs and the Ravens. Um, overall, first thoughts, like, Chiefs are just them. It's kind of annoying. Like, I find it annoying. It is annoying because we thought we got past the most dominant player ever to play the game. We got through that wave. And Tom Brady, looking back on it, and same with Patrick Mahomes, are handling it with the most amount of class they possibly can Yeah, in a very unclassy sport. You know, football doesn't have that level of, you know, little dirt and grime on it, which is why we love it. For sure. For sure. I think there is a a sense of um, like a, like a titlement kind of thing, like a respect because you do fight so hard on the gridiron. Definitely respect. That, yeah. That then you can, you know, trace your steps back and kind of reset and then look at things maybe in a different view and portray yourself to the media a certain way. But mm. 
he does it really well, man. And it, it's it part of it is it's everything that involves the chief. I love Andy Reid and I love Travis Kelsey and I love Patrick Mahomes, but the way that they just get publicized all over the place and they're in the same division as the Chargers and we get then we get the Swifties, then we get the relationship, then we get, you know, like yeah. Patrick Mahomes is the greatest player ever. No one can ever make those passes and and it's like, oh my God, that's all you hear about 24-7. And you got the podcast of New Heights. Shout out New Heights. Great mm-hmm. pod over there. New news. New news. But it's not new news that the Chiefs are fucking really good. Like they dominate and it's just, it's, it's just like water flowing downhill. It's just gonna, they're going to be in a championship game. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy how much this year they're like, they're falling off. They're not gonna. They're not gonna be as good this year. They're definitely not as good. They have. They don't have the players. They're not the team. They're not them. Travis Kelsey is a step slower. I mean, he's a step slower, but still, it's just. It was good. A big game shows up, and a big catch needs to be made. That man makes the catch. Yeah, and put and Pat puts it exactly where it needs to be too. So yeah. it's just they're they're a great duo. They're a great team. I was a little bit upset about the Ravens and how they executed. I will have to say, I don't think it's all on the Chiefs winning. I think a lot of it had to do with one Zay Flowers, the the taunting call, which was a little rough. It came right. at a terrible time. And then the fumble on the goal line and Zay Flowers fumbled it into the end zone and then the Chiefs get the ball back. They're about ready to score again. Huge, huge miscue. Like I get it. You're trying to reach for the touchdown. Uh, ball security though first right that's you got to be telling telling all your guys that ball security, One ball security, unreal ball play security. By the, the defensive player though yeah what was it what was his name no um clue. he's got the Superman dreads punch. he's got the dreads and he came in there just fist flying yeah i mean from out of nowhere i mean great defensive play um you're right zay flowers made a couple of crucial errors also lamar jackson like historically does not perform well in the playoffs and in the big game yeah, he played really well last week, though. Well, I'll have to say that. Yeah, the big game came, though. Yeah. Didn't didn't really show up the way he was all year. But I don't think the Ravens did enough to help Lamar Jackson. And let me kind of back this up in a sense, because the Ravens only rushed the ball like half the amount of times as the Chiefs. They put the ball in Lamar's hand a lot. Mm-hmm. And in defensive coverage um, sets that they should have been running the football against, even though it may be second and eight. Yeah. You have like one of the best run offenses and best offensive lines, and you're not going to trust that your guys can get like five to six yards. You know, you make an incompletion, and now it's third and eight. It's so much tougher as a, as a, you know, play caller to pick up that first down. Yeah. When you, you know, you miss like an open throw because he's got to throw all the time. Then it start, his confidence starts getting, you know, rattled a bit. Defense could set up on you. Um, yeah, I feel like the Ravens, you know, need to bolster their run attack. Um, someone I heard that might be doing that for them is Derrick Henry next year. Mm, interesting. I think it would be a great fit for them. Yeah. Um, you know, he can run with the best of them, I think, if he has a good offensive line still. Um, I mean, he's turning water into wine over at Tennessee right now because yeah. they're, they have nowhere to go. That, that man is stuffed in every lane. Every hole. I mean, and historically, um, you know, um, there's an offensive lineman on a podcast, uh, Bustin' with the Boys, Taylor Lewan used mm-hmm. to block for Derrick Henry. 
Okay. And um, he has historically said, if you want Derrick Henry to run his best, which is when he had like a thousand yard seasons with him and all that yeah. stuff, you got like he's got to get a step or two being untouched into the line. You need to get him to the line. He needs mm -hmm. that. He needs that forward momentum. And once he gets that steam going, he's a big man to stop. Exactly. You need those couple steps, right? You need yeah, that momentum to build up. He can't really give a man a dream shake in the backfield and then yeah. explode to a gap. <laughs> that's not him. That's, that's not his game. That's not his game. I think the Ravens can do that. Also, I hear Derrick Henry maybe going to Dallas. Interesting. And Pollard being the one, Derrick Henry being the two, which is where Pollard found the most success in his run game. Or flip that, D. Henry in the one, yeah. Pollard in the two. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they would want Pollard to touch the ball more than no. Yeah, but he's, you know, you maybe like in your third down and second down along situations, you get Pollard in there. Yeah, because so Pollard did the, his best running when Ezekiel Elliott, Elliott was, was filling the gaps and pounding yeah, the rock. Yeah, was the one. Yeah. I, li I like that. I like that. Um, is it going to turn out successfully for them? No, probably not because it's the Dallas Cowboys and they just suck and blow it every single year. But That is true, but the Chargers didn't. Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that's huge. That's a big Welcome time to the sign, Chargers. baby. Welcome to the Chargers, sir. Yeah. Huh? How about that little highlight clip that the Chargers released today, too? No, I didn't get to watch it. I sent it to you for mainly for me to save for later. You didn't watch it? No, I was working. I was oh, my God. Off. I was supposed to get off my phone and um, just didn't see. I wanted to send it to you and watch it later. The uh, the strength that you have to not watch that at that moment, that's that's pretty impressive Papa's right there. Grinding. Yeah. I have... I am... Officially in grind mode now. For the job, you have to, right? I mean, just in general at this point. Like, if I'm you. not grinding and trying my best at everything I'm doing, when I have the time and the opportunity, why am I doing it? That's, that is my new... My new... It's a little motto. Like, thing I'm doing. Yeah. Now, obviously, you can't put 100% in everything all the time. Some things have to take the back burner. Some things aren't as important. But for the most part, I would like to put my effort, my full effort I can into things I'm doing. If you're doing it, you might as well give it to your fullest. <clears throat> yeah, because, sure. you know, how many more years left until I have more responsibility and it becomes harder to do those things. Because mm -hmm. at some point, it's really just family job and, like, and, you know, hanging out with friends. Yeah. And like, you know, so at some point, like, all the frivolous stuff I want to do is going to fade, but... Uh, somehow tying this back into football. Um, yeah, I mean, Chiefs, I think just, of course, inevitable. And a little bit of a dynasty we have on our hands here, no? Yeah, I mean, officially. I mean, even if they don't win it, I would say they're a dynasty at this point. They've been to the Super Bowl four out of the last five years. Yeah, I would say they're a dynasty. Like Patrick Mahomes still very much in his prime. They're going to have to do a real magic next year. I think they're, they're going to need a whole new... But now a whole new like need wide receivers. Um, they're going to need another tight end. They're going to need you know. No Gray is not bad. I like Noah Gray. Yeah, he's good. He's uh, not like your your ace in the hole, but he's good. He's good. I guess maybe Patrick Mahomes needs to find another ace. You got to get him another ace. He needs another target. One hundred percent. Because I guess uh, Tony uh, was listed on the injured report, and he tweeted out that he wasn't injured, and that they weren't just they weren't going to bring him. I mean, why? I don't think he's that great. Dude, yeah, it's pretty trash. And he's just one more person you have to like. You know, you feel like you need to throw to maybe taking reps for somebody who can do yeah. it. Yeah, you know, you just want to like count on the guys that are actually going to catch the ball in a big time moment. And you know, I it's great. Kadarius it Tony is electric when he has the football in his hands, but 
my God, that man is just kind of a little bit of a spaz and head case. He drops so many footballs. Football is not hard to catch. To catch. I mean, it kind of like Mahomes fits in your putting it on you. Yeah, and it kind of fits in your hand perfectly. You know, right? <laughs> like the spiral kind of just wedges right, right, in there. right in there with those gloves too. Right, those uh, sticky as hell. Sticky as hell. But they also, you know, we're don't have like a six six man running full speed at you. Like, True. Uh, True. Imagine me running downhill square at I you. I mean, the problem is when you're a receiver, you have to hope and think that that actually is, doesn't even exist. That's what you got to do as a receiver. Like, that isn't actually. Like I'm go- or I'm going to get hit, but I need to catch this ball. So I, that's what I used to think every time. I'm going to get hit, but I need to catch this ball. Yeah. Prepare for to get hit and grab it firmly so that when you do get hit, it doesn't rattle out of your hands. Interesting. Right, uh, grab it hard with your hands and then you're ready to tuck it. Right. I don't know. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, that was that one, the uh, divisional playoff. It was a good game. Um, bum for the Ravens. Um, moving on to the Lions and Niners. Um, another really great game setting up, great storylines. Um, I'm happy San Francisco won. Um, I Really? Yeah, I really like the Lions a lot. And it would have been great to see them in the, the uh, champ game, uh, the Super Bowl. Yeah. But uh, I just felt like, you know, Brock Purdy's story was really important to get him to that game. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want um, to see a guy who has been drafted last, Mr. Royal event, prove himself year, two years in a row now that he wins ball games. I think he's like 20 and five, 22 yep. and five, somewhere around 20 there. and five. Like, and the question marks are still there. Yeah, it's wild. And then there are always accusations being like, well, he's got the best receiving core. He's got a great line. He's got Christian McCaffrey. And it's like, yeah, but like, you still got to make the right decisions. Right. And he's still got to make the throws. And it was cool to see him scramble. Him personally, like making a play out of nothing. He was balling. Yeah. He was cooking. And it was, he made, does he have the same arm strength as Patrick Mahomes? No. I don't know many people that do. The balls don't have the same zip on it when he is scrambling. So it does, I think it gives yeah. you the illusion of. But look at Peyton Manning, dude. Right. I mean, the man had, let's be honest, very subpar yeah. arm strength. Yeah, dude couldn't had, throw more than 40 to 50 yards down the field. But hit you the Omaha, Omaha. You're right. <laughs> square right zig route. <laughs> yeah, right. And you somehow finds a corner of your defense you weren't even paying attention right. to. Yeah, that was awesome. He's. I think he has my favorite pre-snap cadence. I mean, it he was coined just, that. He coined it. They make yeah, commercials no, of that. No thing. one had any idea what Omaha or pre-snap cadence really was as a common football person. Mm-hmm. He kind of popularized it, huh? I would say so. They say um, Tony Romo was the guy who really started the popularizing. What was his? Oh, okay. But I would say Peyton Manning to me. I have to well, look that. I have to look that up. Him and. Uh, Tom Brady, when they were just calling everything on the lines, and it was just so tactical. That was, was pretty, some of the best football. It was pretty elite. And you got Aaron Rodgers doing the same thing as well over there. Yeah. Not, as, not as many audibles. No, I just felt like Tom Brady got like a call, and then they set up in that formation. And he was like, and nah. It, it's definitely not it. Right. <laughs> he always had the ability to call out of something at any given time. Yeah. Sometimes I didn't even think when Peyton Manning went to the line, I don't even think they even gave him a play. Yeah, I bet you, you know what I mean. The defense, they gave him a base coverage that maybe he likes. 
base offense of they're like, this is what you kind of like the feel of. We'll couple, start it here. A couple formations, and right. then you can just call it from there. Right. They give him like a basic run <laughs> yeah. with a formation he likes. I, and he goes. I would love to see a documentary on, on that kind of football and a little bit more of the strategy behind it. But I don't think that's going to happen because no one's going to release that kind of strategic stuff. There's um, a guy I watch on YouTube who does Madden, and he used to be a backup I've seen this for guy. Green Bay yeah. and stuff like that. I really enjoy watching him break it down. Um, obviously, he's on a very small scale to what Peyton Manning probably was doing. But right. I think it would be cool for football to show the other side. The like They do hard knocks, right, which does a great job of showing the grind, how much to prepare, the storylines. But let's start getting the X and O's of football a bit more. Yeah, like I would what, love that. What you're trying to do, each person from their perspective, a quarterback coming in the quarterback room, talking about it, and making it more like able to listen not so much lingo like why zig mike yeah like that all can be very confusing like um you're kind of just trying to figure out just the basis of what's the point what's your job what are you trying to do in this position in this in this play like right. what is your what is your job yeah i agree buddy i i hope that they bring out something like that but um you know on the flip side of it i was kind of pulling for the for the lions to win because I love Dan Campbell and what he was able to do over with the Lions. I just feel like that program has just really, really been struggling for so long. And it would have been cool to see them. I like the way they play the game. It's fun. They got a two great two backs. Right. Great line. Cool to see Jared Goff kind of get back over there because they ditched him over at the Rams, you know. No, to it's go super get, cool. To go great, get a Super Bowl. Story. So, I, I mean, I was, I guess the whole point was I wasn't really upset either way because I was watching the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. And they were going down the line of what Brock Purdy, Purdy has achieved over the last two seasons when he's played. Yeah. 20 and five. And that includes when he tore his UCL last year. So that's an L. So technically he's 20 and four because he did, didn't even play in that game. Yeah. Leads the league and like against the blitz for like attempts and yards and completion percentage and like touchdown ratio. And it's just like, what has this man not done? He should be one of he should be the one of the top candidates for MVP. Isn't it so silly that he literally lost his MVP race when he threw like three picks in like week sixteen or seventeen? Do you hear yeah. do you remember like kind of yeah. seeing that? Was it against the Ravens, I think? Probably. Yeah, I thought it was kind of crazy. That's what, like, you know, thrusted Lamar into the the MVP. MVP right. No, I think it's Patty Mahomes. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it's probably going to be Patty Mahomes, though. Like, hard to say, you know, not. Um, Travis Kelsey, if he plays halfway decent, will win MVP of the Super Bowl. You, can, mm, you, you think put, so? You put that down. Put that no as a future. Way. Guaranteed. Are you joking me? He, okay, he goes 100 yards. Which in the historically in big games, hundred yards, you can almost guarantee above eighty from Travis Kelsey in big games. Okay, right? He's gonna have, he's gonna go big catch game, like nine catches. Right, and he's gonna have a tutty, bare minimum. Okay, right. Patrick Mahomes is gonna have a great game. Don't get me wrong, but Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift, MVP Super Bowl, like that storyline. Yeah, fits too well. Yeah, it does. Travis Kelsey, what go, ahead, you know, go ahead and fade us on this one if you don't if you don't believe us. But I'm I'm down to make that pick. You want to do that? Yeah, I'm down because 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 it is a storyline and it is 
branding and blah, blah, blah. Well, there's years. I Now, I could be wrong because I'm a giant idiot, but he hasn't won <laughs> one yet, right? Typically the quarterback of the, Always of the teams. Wins. Yeah. Right. So he hasn't won one yet. Mm. And you could say he's just as important as Patrick Mahomes yeah, on that could. team at times. Yeah, you definitely could. Right now, he's like his best option. It's sometimes maybe his only option if if uh, Rasheed Rice is taking a little bit of a breather. His only option out there. So we're talking that. Now, is he anywhere near as important as Patrick Mahomes? No. Right. But if the dude goes off for 10 catches, 142 yards, and two tutties. Hard to say he doesn't deserve the MVP. Yeah. I mean, I, I could definitely see and that. I bet you Patrick Mahomes would talk to somebody. He seems like that <laughs> one of those dudes. Yeah, he doesn't really care. He's got, a he's, massive, gotten, he's got a massive contract, MVPs, MVP of the it Super Bowl. the last one he won. No. This might be Travis Kelsey's one only. Yeah. It's a good point. It's a good point. He kind of has that pool, you know? I um, bet you Patrick Mahomes walked up to whoever hands out the MVP, the Lombardi Trophy. He's going to give it over to him. Mm-hmm. He might. Like, Go throw my well, boy. We'll take that double on the technicality. The Swifties. The Swifties boy. I will have to say, though, he, Travis is going to have his hands full with that matchup against the 49ers. Yeah, the 49ers look really solid. I'm really excited to see them play against the Chiefs. I think they're going to come out, and they're not going to start slow. They're going to pound the Chiefs. They're going to absolutely... Clap them cheeks, dude. I think Get up in there. They're going to just let McCaffrey just take all the way off pretty shoulders. That's what they should do. First, like give them a good first quarter run game. Lots of runs. You you burn the Jets on McCaffrey. They, you you held them all through the whole mm-hmm. season. Didn't really get hurt very badly. It's his last game that he's <laughs> going to show up. This man's. I mean, it's it's you know put your dick on the table. It's time to win a Super Bowl. This guy can show up. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like he's going to ball. And um, I, I think if I had to pick um, a winner, I'd pick the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. I think I'd pick the Chiefs. It's just the intangibles that the Chiefs has kind of had. They just they just have a knack for winning. Andy Reid's such a great coach. Yeah, they just haven't they just they just know how to do it. They're they're gonna come out with some stupid play we've never seen before. It's also no knock to Kyle Shanahan, because I also think that he's a top three to four, you know, Easily. coach in the NFL. They're both great coaches, but Andy Reid just might be the GOAT. Yeah, he's really good. I, I saw, would much rather have Andy Reid over Belichick. Yeah, of course. I, you know he's not going to have a job next year. I don't think people want him. No, I don't think so either. Because he wants the GM role. So yeah, and you're like, like bro, the team. we saw what you did over with the Patriots, man. Like, it's it was tough sledding over there but for the last six s- years. You haven't done <laughs> shit with them. Right. Um, I saw a stat for Andy Reid and... Uh, in all of his years coaching for the Eagles and now the Chiefs, mm-hmm. he makes it to the divisional playoff game, conference championship. He's done it 43% of the time for his seasons. I mean, it's like, a go. What? I mean, Donovan McNabb, amazing, amazing quarterback, not GOAT level. No. Um, just a great coach. Just a great coach. I heard that it was uh, some rumors that he might be retiring. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if Andy Reid retired, that Kelsey would go out too. I feel like he's kind of got that dog in him, though. Yeah, but, you know, maybe he's serious with uh, Swifty. Maybe, you know, the podcast is doing great. Yeah. His brother's 
basically already said he's retiring. Yeah, it's official. So um, I don't see why he wouldn't. I do think he's a step way slower than he used to be. Yeah, it does. It's it's finally I've I finally uh, have seen that this year because I keep I kept thinking, dude, when is this man gonna slow down? When is this man gonna slow down a little bit? Because he's like 33, 32, just still shredding everyone. I mean, the man, and he also looks like he's playing with the chip right now. Heavy, heavy, and he just kind of looks like he's wanting to fight everybody. He's he put the dog face on real quick. Yeah, he did. And maybe that's his role. He feels like he has to do for the team this year. Like grew a beard out. He's the nasty, gruesome. Sure. Well, he's whatever it takes, I guess. Right. Yeah, and it's working for them. They kind of got nasty, and they started to um, work. And you don't even assume the Chiefs are like the evil villains either. Like the, that's the storyline that they're portraying. But in reality, they haven't done anything that makes them like they're no. not really dirty players. They just like to play with a little chip on their shoulder. You know, a little passion for the game. And hey, guess what? They should. They just yeah. keep winning. Right. I would rather not see dominant football like this again. But I don't think we have a choice. I mean, they just know how to get it done. In, yeah. In Wherever Patrick Mahomes is going to be, there's going to be some sort of team following. Yeah. He's really good, man. And it's, it's really... I'm ready for a little change of the tide or at least someone to maybe combat him a little bit. I thought... Um, I thought Josh Allen would actually take him take that take down the Chiefs actually this year. I think they're the best chance of anyone right now. I really thought the Ravens did, you know. Um, they just really just didn't really put their uh, a game out there. It turned the ball over too many times. Three turnovers. It's tough, tough, man. It's yeah. tough to win a football game, especially when you're about to score a touchdown deep in your zone, whatever. But um, I don't know. I feel like I'm with you. I, I, I truly don't know what the outcome of this game is going to be. I want to say that the 49ers should be favored, and they are. But you got that element of Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see. I'm excited for it. It should be a good one. Maybe a little barbecue action or something like that for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm down, buddy. We can Maybe do that. Let's, let's smoke some ribs. Pulled pork is so easy. Pulled pork is easy. Or we, um, yeah, probably do barbecue. I'll make a mac and cheese. Mm. I'll make my slaw like last time. Perfect. Boom. I mean, is there anything better than that? Um, switching gears here. Um, you know, the Australian Open just finished up. And as we know, we are big tennis fans when it comes to the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, center one versus boy, Medvedev. Yannick. Uh, Medvedev. Medvedev. I said yep. it right. There it mm-hmm. is. Um, Sorry, I was just talking, so I just talked over you. No, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> you're good, baby. Um, center and Medvedev. Um, center played great, lost the first two sets, came back storming. Yeah, dude. Uh, just balled out, which do you think maybe he did that on purpose? He's like, I'm going to give Medvedev a good hard fight these first two sets. Let him run around, let him think he has it, and then I'll turn my legs yeah, on. Yeah, because the whole storyline was Medvedev playing two five-setters before mm-hmm. the championship, and he had like five or six more hours of court time than Sinner had. That's and a you, lot. It's a lot of time playing really high-level competitive tennis. I don't know if he did it on purpose, but it certainly looked like he started to figure out the match, and it was awesome to see. Yeah. I was locked in for that tourney. You're going to have to break it down a little bit for me because I watched the first two sets, woke up, watched the little highlights. Okay, gotcha. But it looked like like I knew the big storyline, court time. But um, Sinner, I mean, could be the next 
guy up there. He does. He looks like he's got it. He looks like he's got it. Um, And we've ever since, I think it was 2022 Wimbledon when he was facing off against Carlos Alcaraz in the semifinal. Yeah. The one match that we watched together kind of looked like he had it. For like for the last couple of years, and now he's 21. Looks like he's grown into his body a little bit more. He's hitting the ball. He's more composed. He looks. I actually enjoy watching him play, as well. Yeah, like he's not super cocky. He's kind of got this like Roger Federer type aura about him. He's very calm, very flowy. He moves really well. He serves well, but doesn't do anything like crazy good. Mm-hmm. He just plays everything really solid. I hear his running forehand is pretty amazing. It's running forehand, yeah. He's he can put some zip on that they, thing. They say that's like um his go to shot. And they say when that's open, it makes the rest of the game a lot easier. Yeah. Because he gets so much zip and accuracy on it that he wins so many points that he should technically almost be out of. Yeah. He's so out of position and just turns his out of position into a positive because it'll play a whole new angle of the court. There were plenty of times where Medvedev would hit a ball to Sinner's backhand mm-hmm. and he'd kind of run and chase it down. And Medvedev would hit it all the way back cross court on him after Sinner hit it down the line. Right. So it's a very sharp angle and Sinner would just take off running and just rip the forehand down the line or sharp cross court for winners. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, it seemed to be like what he wanted to have happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all legs, too. He's like, cool, I have my legs. Here we go. That's exact. I think that's why the match, if it was going to go the distance, I was going to go Sinner's way the whole time because it's just such a physical game. And you can tell if you lose any pop in your step, if you lose any like of that jumping explosive mobility and you start becoming a half step slow, I mean, you just you're gonna get cooked. You're gonna yeah. get worked out there, and it's really um, tough with tennis because in golf, individual sport, right? If you can't hit a golf ball, like reality, not everyone's watching you. Mm-hmm. It's not like an arena, right? Where all eyes are just on one person, right? And you're struggling because that happens in golf rounds. You know, the ebbs and flows of a golf round. You gotta ride the highs, stay calm, play the right game not start pushing right. and overexerting your efforts because then you'll make a mistake and that will hurt the confidence. Yeah, I'm with and also, that. And also when a low happens, you know, it's coming, got to get up, back up. It's got to be tough when you're at your low and you're about half a step slow. You're not popping this ball the very the same way. Yeah. You know the game's slipping and there's just everyone's watching you. Yeah, it's a terrible feeling. And then you're just alone on this island with this shark on the other end. No timeouts. Right. No coaches. Right, you're just by yourself, yeah. screaming at your coaching box, like I can't, I can't touch the ball, I can't see the right. ball. <laughs> <laughs> like it's bloody murder out there, and then like you feel, like you're, and you put in all that hard work, and the game slips, and there's nothing you can do, you know. And it's 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 brutal, and it, it's crazy because they mentioned that a couple of times, like what a crazy sport this is, because they were there's a lot of downtime in between points too, right, and a lot of it is what the you know, the mentality of what maybe they should be doing, how they should be feeling, mm-hmm. what they should be pushing or conserve, you know, conserving your energy, um, setting up certain shots for later in the match as well. It's very strategic. It's almost like a chess game in a sense, but you're also trying to factor in your physicality into it. Right. And maybe save some of your better shots later, not give them away too early because then 
if you're banking on that, he's going to be sitting on them later. So it's it's very interesting. I love watching the whole strategy behind the whole thing. And it looked like it was Sinner's match the whole entire time when he came out and won the tie break in the third set. That was huge, huge. Right. And uh, once that happened, it was kind of just, it was a wrap. It was just going to go, it was going to go three, four hours. And just Medvedev just didn't have that gas in him. And Sinner was just playing way too solid at that point. You know, he just wasn't messing up. When your legs go, you also can't, like, can't get your feet perfect to the to the tennis ball every time, right. too. It's just like in basketball. If you get tired playing like your fourth game of the tournament, mm-hmm. you're going to start grabbing out of hands. You're going to start picking up a lot of ticky-tack fouls. It's just like that in any yeah, sport, you, just you know? Throw, throw your arms out, pray to God. You're not getting where you need to get. Right. And the, um, you you're know, just gassed. You can't play like not. you. You just can't play like you normally do. So and you're just out there on an island. Yeah, and it's quiet, and everyone's watching. Yeah, that's see. That's why I don't love about individual sports. Golf, I don't mind because obviously I don't have a crowd watching me. But it, I mean, golf is terrifying when you're putting in front of a bunch of people for a win, mm-hmm. and you you know you pull it straight left that actually happened at the farmers open forget the guy who who was uh it won. did he was serious two shots up on 16 um this past weekend well, on sunday i didn't see this two shots up um birdie putt basically to win the tournament right okay two shots up he's on 16 for a birdie for a birdie and um straight pulls it and puts it like three feet past the hole. Oh no, really? Like not even close. Like it was, it was a pretty like okay. Like the birdie putts were pretty easy at that point. From what I was hearing from the commentators, where he left it and just straight pulled it. And what's ter- what's terrifying about that? Is then you got to make the next one, right? You got to make the next two. <laughs> yeah, you got to go seventeen, which is um, a pretty okay hole. It wasn't crazy difficult from what I remember. It's uh, the longish par four. Dog leg left. Yeah, I do remember that bunk- bunker on the right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a, a double overhead bunker, it felt like. Right. And then 18's. 18's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. It's a birdieable hole, though. It's par yeah, five. But if you put it anywhere in the rough, then you, what are you going to lay up yeah, you before lay up. the water? Yeah, you, then you lay up to I 90. Think it's par four, isn't it? Par five. Is it a par five? Yeah, it's par five. Yeah, so anyways, he was... But if your partner, if your playing partner hits a great drive, then they can get home in two. That's the big advantage. Yeah. I don't know. If, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's a par five, but anyways, on 18, he puts one in the rough and mm-hmm. has to hack out of it. Mm-hmm. And he puts a perfect ball to, um, you know, whatever it was, like 10 feet, and then two putts for par. Okay, nice. So, uh, won the tournament. Uh, anyways, so going back to Australia, about no way got a tangent on that, but um, it was cool to see center win. I think it's really exciting to have multiple great players in, in swing right now. I think the changing of the guard is going to be great because I don't think the real changing of the guard actually happened. I think Federer and Nadal <laughs> ruined multiple generations of talents. Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic ruined multiple generations of talent. Yeah. I, I mean, think. just like they just rained terror. It was the first time since like '02, right? Since one of the big three was not in the Australian Open final, 
Right. And I think that or something crazy like that. to like these tennis players that maybe missed out on their prime because they were just getting dominated. Yeah, dude. By three, like maybe they miss out on their prime. Djokovic has won the Australian Open 10 times. Yeah, on his little board, walk by. I'm like, oh my God. Oh yeah, the headshots of like the yeah, people who show won how it. many times in the row. His is just 10. Just like, it's crazy looking. And um, just see a Djokovic out there. It's, it's nuts. I think maybe when you're that good for that long, like a Tiger Woods almost, you don't, with tennis, you know, two of those go to be in it most of the time. It'd be those three guys filtering, and every once in a while you throw an occasional bum out there. Right. And then he'd get <laughs> clapped up. But I think they didn't get that championship experience where they played in a lot of chances to win a final. So when they're actually in a final to win it, Maybe they're they shitting their pants. Done, they're shitting their pants. Oh yeah, it's the it's the whole realm. It's the whole mental game as well. Right. You put a guy that's never been in a major championship in a final against a big three. Right. At Arthur Ashe Stadium for the U.S. Open. That's a lot. It's game over. Yeah. Then they already know walking in. Now you have you know, a young kid like Sinner you're going against across the court, and you're thinking to yourself, he's already been been here before. Yeah. He's won a major. I know. Then you playing against the you just really hope that you Alcatraz. can lock. You just yeah, Alcatraz. Uh, <laughs> you Al, can really just Alcatraz. <laughs> Alcaraz. Uh, there you go. But you were just coming up with nicknames, though. I was. Yeah. Alcatraz, Albatross. Um, <laughs> Carlito. Yeah. He. Um, you know, you're playing against him on the other side of the net. Yeah. He's pretty freaking good too. I just feel like they ruin generations of players. Yeah. But yeah, I, new generation coming I, in. I think this new generation that's coming in is, is pretty special. You know, we've got, uh, oh, fuck, who's the other guy? The German guy. And I'm blanking right now. Oh, no. I'm, I'm going to put you on the Yeah, here. we're going to have to rain check. He's got long rain check. He's got long hair. Not Medvedev. Um, not Sinner. No. Not Albert Ross. No, not him. Not Carlito. Not Carlito. He's a German dude. He's got longish type hair. Then you have um, Rude. Then you, well, that was the other guy I was thinking of. Rude. Mm-hmm. He's super young as well. But There's a lot no, of ballers out here right now. A lot of like twenty-two year olds. A lot of twenty-three year olds. Which really is good, great. Which is really good. Tennis so, is in good hands right now. I think there's a lot of is. people who can win. I don't know if we're ever going to see a dominant run like that in tennis with those three guys ever again. It's going to be tough, man. It, it's crazy. I mean, they've got like the three most all-time major wins, and it's like they played in the same era. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it was like every time it was like, one of those. They're three. all three on the leading list for the major, most major wins in their career. Like they played at the same time. <laughs> crazy, um, crazy, crazy. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But I don't know our U.S. men's guys. We got we got to step it up. We're not looking very great. We're starting. Thought, Fritz is our Fritz is our hope right now. I thought Tiafo was going to be our guy, but he doesn't look too great. I mean, he's looking good, but not. Yeah, we saw, I started watching Breakpoint, and they're they're covering him in his season last year. So I'm curious to see him evolve as a player off the court a little bit. Yeah. Because it seems like there's a little bit of meat left on the table with his game because this game's solid. Definitely. His game is good. Um, is it major level ready and good? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, watching some, I'm watching some of these other guys like Sinner and Carlos, the two mainly. And... Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't they, he's on the same level. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely train. He's, they're, they're both young. Fritz, I think, is like 26. 
ish. He made very young anymore. He made the ATP finals last year. Yeah. So top eight. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I think a little run and a little magic could happen. Fritz looks like he might need to play a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder. That can I think that can help him out for sure. Yeah, a little less. I've done it. I'm here. A little bit more of an fu mentality. I'm here for dubs. Right. Like I haven't know? really accomplished what I wanted to accomplish yet. Yeah. Which he might have. He might have. Dude, he might have won the Indian Wells. When he and, took down a doll with like a he, torn knee or whatever. that could have been his, like, that's what could have been his goal. Like, dude, all I really want to do in my career is win the Indian Wales. Yeah. They cover him in Breakpoint, though. Right. In this, I think, like, the last episode that I just watched. And he's having a little bit of a mental issue at the moment that they were talking about. Yeah. How he finished in the ATP finals, and he should be... I don't be, know if I do that with the court, bud. He should be... <laughs> We're, we're, we're living life on the edge here. We're living life dangerously. <laughs> Cut the audio. Should I take scissors to it next? No, no. <laughs> no, no. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, he's having a mental issue. And how he's ranked in the top eight. He doesn't want to lose the top men's slot. He is having issues because now he's supposed to be in the quarterfinals for like every tournament. And like, right. I, don't, I don't know if that's just him playing it up. But it seems like he's having some confidence issues, which uh, which we know on individual sports is is a toughie. Yeah, tennis also has the biggest babies in sports. Yeah, they're head cases out there. Wow, man. they are head cases, man. I get it's a tough sport. I just claimed how hard it could be. But also, these people are crazy. They are. Like, I get it because you don't really know, like, day-to-day where you're going to be at. Like, you could win. You, you go home. Well, let's make an argument, dude, because tennis... Versus golf. They're very individual sports. Yes, they're a little bit more physically demanding and different. However, the mentality of it is kind of the same. Things are not going according to plan. Are you going to stick with the plan or are you going to derail and just start blaming everything else? Yeah. Okay. Well, if you do that in golf, you're going to shoot 82 out on the tour and you're going to look like a joke and everyone's going to laugh at you. I mean, you can kind of do that in tennis, but like... I don't know. You're just like taking an L like just directly to someone. And then the players seem like they just don't handle it very well in the moment. Yeah, they don't really handle adversity very well. Yeah. And I, I get it's because they're running so hot and they want to win so bad and their competitive drive is 20x mine. But at the same time, it's... It doesn't help. doesn't help at all. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, they should take up uh, um, Nick Dunn. Uh, Nick Dunlop's coach? Yeah. Uh, Dunlop's coach. We uh, moved is that the same here. dude that does um, fixing Frankie? Yeah, yeah, I love him. I started following him on Instagram. Don't ask me what his name is. I don't know his name either. But we'll shout him out another time. Um, <laughs> so changing topics here. Andrew's thirtieth birthday just passed. We uh, we went to the whoop American whoop. Express in Palm Springs, which is a a decent golf tournament. Some top names there. I wouldn't say it's a premier tournament by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a, it's one that people look forward to. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones to watch all year. It's it's uh, the one that kickstarts the, yeah, the PJs. Yeah, exactly. Really gets the season to roll out. I think it's, you know, the amenities there are great. Uh, we've never been, never seen a golf tournament live. And so it just so happens for the first time in how many years, Andrew? 32. 32 years, an amateur one, Nick Dunlop. Um, since Phil Mickelson won it 32 years ago. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. Like an amateur winning any event in the PGA Tour, not just the American Express. Right. 
like that's the last time that's happened. That's how hard it is for like a no name to come in and kind of. There's like win a 35 turnings a year, 40 turnings a year. Right. I mean, that's whatever. You'd kind of do the math on that one real quick. The odd 800, cut. 800 tournaments. Yeah. It, and it's just unreal that he won. I mean, we all kind of, we, we went to Thursday. No, we didn't. We went Friday and we went Sunday. And when we left Friday, he wasn't, I think he was in the top, but he wasn't leading. Yeah, I kind of forget exactly whether he was at, but he was definitely in top two. Top two, yeah. And then he just came out firing Saturday, taking the lead. And didn't he shoot 62 on Saturday? Yeah, something ridiculous. Which when you shoot 62 like that, you got to know you're not going to shoot that tomorrow, Mm -hmm. which almost helps your mental game. Right? Because if I shoot like, um, let's say I shoot a 77 tomorrow, which is one below my best ever, I would be like, 77 is doable again. I can, if I push and shoot that, I can do that again. I don't think a professional golfer, I think they've done it enough times where they shoot something that low. They're like, that I'm just going to do it again. I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to have another good day. Yeah. They're not thinking about a 60 something again. No. They probably know like that's just an, and a very, that's that happens very few times in my life. I will go out and shoot a professional score that low on a PGA course that historically at one point was the top 10 toughest course. Not that way anymore. These boys are just clapping this course left and right. It's not even close, dude. Yeah. That's when I realized how good these guys are at golf. And I'm like, holy shit. Man. Yeah, because it used to be the distance used to kill you on this course. It was distance and awful places to miss. And now it's like, because the bunkers are double overhead and there's water in certain positions. There's also like... All of it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. And there's and the rough is so short. There's just, they don't get penalized. Right. So they get this mash driver. They're way down there. Worst case scenario, they take a club that's higher out of the bunker that they're all strong enough to hit out of now. Mm-hmm. And then the water is not even a factor because they're so long. And all the water is like short left, short right. It's not like behind the holes, really, besides yeah. the one island hole. I mean, you typically get, and there was actually perfect scoring conditions, like zero wind. And it was you like know. somewhat cold in the morning, a little rainy. Yeah. Greens were really receptive. Right. Because normally it's really dry out there and it's really, really fast. Yeah. So like everything just got soaked up perfectly. It was probably really easy putting conditions for them. But that course historically also plays on two different courses that are the easiest courses on tour mm-hmm. on average. So it's a, it's just a birdie fest out there. I mean, truly and utterly just crazy how many birdies you're seeing. Winning score was what, 29 under? Yeah. Something like, like something ridiculous. Um, seeing these people swing in person is unreal. How smooth and easy they're swinging mm-hmm. and... Even if I swing that smooth and easy, the distance of what they're getting too is crazy. Yeah. Because if I'm swinging sl- smooth and easy, I'm not hitting it three, 305 on my driver. So let's talk. I want to talk about like what you noticed or what impressed you the most watching live for the first time. Because we did a, a good amount of walking on Friday. We followed Xander Shoffley, mm-hmm. Ricky Fowler, oh, Justin Thomas, this. Tony mm-hmm. Finau, um, mm-hmm. Scotty Scheffler. I mean, you name a lot of the big guys. We were following them at like 10 feet, 15 feet away from them. At one point, right when we walked in, we were walking 15 feet 
down the middle of the fairway with Scotty Scheffler. I'm like, this is pretty freaking cool right pretty, now. Pretty cool. Pretty crazy. Um, pretty There's smile on my face even thinking about nobody how cool that even is. really around there. Yeah. Also, we lucked out because we got great weather. Yeah, we it was really just did. gorgeous. It was like, like 70. stopped raining immediately when we were out there, and then started again as we left. Yeah, um, which was, I mean, perfect. And it only rained on Saturday when we weren't there. Right, we were just kind of hanging out, watching football, and just kicking it all day, which was great. So, what impressed you the most? Like, what was? Did anything stand out? You already mentioned that it was the tempo of their swings, and I would have to agree with you there. But I feel like I can kind of see that on TV sometimes. Yeah, they never um, look like they're lashing at it though. No, that, that's the one thing that I that I pick up on TV that you don't really see in person. Like it just looks like a slightly more sped up, more aggressive swing, but it's not like a herky jerky lash. Like if they're up, if they're upping their speed, it doesn't look like a big change. I mean, there's so many things about it that um, I noticed, but so the ones that stand out to me, um, the distance. Yeah. We watched very few driver swings just for the nature of how the course lays out and where we're walking because we're going to go in the bad parts of golf tournaments after this. Um, but the driving distance for me um, was crazy. Like, or the distance with our irons and their wedges and how they can do all that is just beyond me. Yeah. Like watching him hit a driver and it doesn't even look like they hit went that far and you're thinking about it and you're walking after and you're like, bro, That's this miles. guy hit all the way down here and it's not like one person that's like one two right next to each other yeah they're all mashing two it. yards ahead two yards behind they're all mashing driver yeah um every like putt or chip around the green looked like it had some sort of chance at one point that was the one thing that i was going to say that stood out almost every putt some chips when they were in a compromised position right looked like they were trying to put it within three feet or try to make it. Yeah. I mean, if they were in a compromised position, also where they're putting the ball, like chipping wise, like perfect spots with a little bit of check. It's like trundling down the hill. All of it's pretty uh, crazy when it comes to that stuff. Um, putting, obviously. And then um, when they were in trouble, which wasn't very often. Yeah, it wasn't often at all. And most of the time isn't crazy trouble either it's like mm -hmm. slightly off the path yeah maybe underneath a tree i think that's why this course plays so easy though there's not a lot of trees there's not a lot of long rough you just got to avoid hitting a bad shot into the water which these guys don't really hit a lot of bad shots they're like okay if there's water on the left i'm going to favor the right side of the green and maybe play like a straight ball to fade so if i miss then I'm going to be missing the green to the right. And I'm going to easy up and down, you know? Yeah, like it was so clear that like the whole bailout right thing. If they really want to make that course harder, layer that place with bunkers on the right or make thicker rough. But they had to change the course because the, the PGA Tour players were complaining about how tough it was at one point. Mm -hmm. And they had to make it easier yeah. um, because it was playing ridiculous to go out and do. I definitely, um, I definitely noticed the workability with a lot of their shots. Um, there was like a clear distinction in their mind for the tee shots that we did see where I'm starting this ball, how I'm going to work this ball, right. where I want it to finish. Mm. And then you can see it with their setup and with their like intention without even hearing them talk. Cause you can kind of like on the par three, right? The one over the water on number seven or eight, 
mm-hmm. on the Nicholas side that we watched on Friday. Which was one of the coolest falls. It was great. We could stand right. literally 20 feet behind, directly behind Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, all those guys, Zach Johnson. Hearing them talk to their caddies a little bit. Yeah. And it was so clear what number they were going for, where, like, what part of the bunker they were starting it over because the flag was kind of in the back left and you could miss left because there was a drop off. Remember that? Right. So um, it was very, very clear what they were trying to do and they would, would execute it nine times out of 10. And if there was a little bit missed, they would, they would always favor the more um, up and down favor side. You know? Yeah. It was always very intentional what they were doing. Missing wasn't really crazy. Yeah. And when they did miss... They recovered extremely well. And the other thing that I noticed was the tee heights, actually, on their tee shots. Like, how high they were teeing the ball up. Remember when Scotty, um, on number 18 on the Nicholas course, we walked all the way out. It was the first tee shot that we saw. And you even pointed out, wow, look at how low he's teeing that ball up. Yeah, I do remember that. almost was like a three-wood height with his driver. But he wanted to hit a punch cut. Because there was a, it was a dog leg right and water all down the right on number eighteen. Right. So I've never seen someone teed up that low before, and I guess you never really see that on TV because I'm sure it's the same height. Yeah, maybe you just can't see it that well. I feel like I would notice that though. It's like almost on the grass, you know. It's like yeah, be like it was. It was really like a middle of the balls in the middle of the club face on the driver. Right, which isn't very common. Normally, like, the rule of thumb is a half a ball above the driver. Exactly. So that made me think a little bit as well. Like, if I ever want to hit, like, a little bit of, like, a controlled, like, cutter ball, I'm just going to try teeing up lower and see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it makes you think about, like, like all, low, the th- low. all the things they do. It's not all because they're just so much better mechanically, which they are. And everything they're doing swing-wise, like, that's not the true difference. They also know these tips and tricks and maneuvering certain shots out of their game that we don't know because they're constantly hitting golf shots. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, if I just really twist the grip this way and just close my club face slightly, same swing, guaranteed three-yard draw every time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, like, that's much easier for them to do because it's, like, the same swing. They can change certain things. Right. I can't do that because my swing's almost always different. And the way I'm impacting the ball is almost always different. Yeah. It's it's their move to the golf ball is so, so clean. Their right. transition is so pure. Yeah, that was really cool to see. So those are the few things that I noticed. Did you notice anything else? I just uh, they're all really, small. Yeah, they are pretty small. They're all small boys. Yeah. Um, Tell you that much. Scotty's by far the tallest one out there. And Tony. Tony, Scotty. There's yeah. some, you know, there's there's some, they all look athletic though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, they do. They don't look like they're just golfers who go and sit in your golf cart and drink beer. They, these guys are athletic. Mm-hmm. They're not like jacked or yoked out of their minds, but they go work out. You definitely can tell. Yeah. I mean, also, if you've never walked 18 holes before on a course that is a lot of undulation, the course is relatively flat, too. Right. Like, you're going to be gassed. I can tell you, without a doubt, you walk Torrey Pines, you're tired at the end of Torrey Pines. Yeah. Trekking through the sand and the long rough, looking for your golf ball. And you're not just walking the yardage. You're also walking off yardages for shots. You're also walking all over the green to, like, check out where your ball is to get lines and, like, moving mm-hmm. off to the side and... I mean, you're playing, what if you play at 10 o'clock and you play from 10 to 3 out in the cooking sun for five hours? Yeah, it's it's a sport 
because it's of a, that. Yeah, it's just different. It's just a different kind of exertion, right? Yeah, and, you, and it's also your, you you have to use your brain the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's not um, a lineup DN, like, okay, all I need to do is hold this man on this yeah, gap. That's set my the one edge. job. Right. One hit go, set the edge, done. It's like, I got to do this. I got to think about this. I got to do this with my hands. This lie gives me this. Yeah. But yeah, it was a blast. Um, great 30th birthday. Um, it was fun. We made a banger of a meal, dude. I think I, you know what? I don't, you know. I thought I, it was I great. I was so tired at that point or whatever was going on with me. Probably drunk and like out of whatever mind I was in. Yeah. Um, I mean, the burritos tasted amazing. I think I was just tasting it all day, though. Mm, yeah. I think it was the best thing that we've made before. I, I really enjoyed it. So we made Mediterranean burritos. Mm-hmm. Mediterranean style burritos, baby. No, I think we need to make it a little bit more fusion. In that case, we need to add like pico next time to it. Yeah, more fusion. Like more fuse. Like we do the burrito, the marination meats and stuff like that. The rice from, you know, like a chipotle, but basmati rice crossover. I love the hummus instead of beans. Was delicious. That was one of my favorite parts. The ziki over sour cream, delicious. Hundred percent. Um. Some of the pickled items we threw in there were great. Like the pepperoncinis in there were awesome. Um, I thought it was really, really tasty. Um, that was really good. Did a great job. I mean, I never doubt we're going to make something great though, buddy. It was fun. Yeah, that's true. It was fun. I, I like doing that little bit of a, a fusion and seeing one of our, um, you know, our little foodie talks kind of come to fruition there. Our next little foodie talk we got though, which we're going to cook up for people, is the Chicago dog. Hold on, hold on now. Hang we want to leak that out? <laughs> Papa wants to sell them. <laughs> I know, I thought of it. I Googled it. No one's done it. I think it's a great call. You mean, you've heard it here first. Let's document this. I mean, if the 12 people don't steal our ideas who listen to this. Um, the Chicago dog, right? Calling it, running it through the garden has a, a thousand toppings on it. And it's a mess. And it's a mess. It's, it's tomatoes and a full thing of pickle and... Um, sports peppers and onions and relish and s- celery salt. It's like filled to the top, full of toppings. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a mess. My thought is why don't we dice everything and put it over there like a pico and we strain all the juice out of it. Mm-hmm. So you, you just concentrate have straight, all the flavors. Just the flavors. And you get all of the, uh, you get a little bit in every single bite and it's not going all over the place. And you put the relish in there still. If you want the relish, I'm skipping on the relish. I'm not a relish guy. Yeah. But if people, yeah, put it out there. So if people want to put the relish on it, you can. And, and um, you're stupid if you do. Yeah. I don't, what's, the, <laughs> what's the point of the relish? <laughs> I don't get it, dude. It's, it's like weird, shitty it's, pickles. It's a weird, sweet mush. Yeah. Why the relish? <laughs> I don't, get I don't it. know. You got I, mustard. Yeah. Mustard and ketchup. Yeah, there's your sweet with the ketchup. And then you're like relish. Yeah. But anyways, not my vibe. Not my vibe Dill at all. pickles, mm-hmm. 100%. Right. I'm down for that. But then you got the mustard. So, you know, and then you got pickled onions, which is honestly even a better, you know, a better situation. True. You are but not wrong, not, there, my friend. It's not, a, it's not going on a Chicago dog, though. Right. Um, but I love the idea, though, buddy. It is a great idea. So going back a little bit on one more thing I want to touch on before we sign off here, Um, back on the golf train. So Nick Dunlop 
Um, young guy, obviously. Uh, won the U.S. Amateur before this. And now has a couple options. Um, with winning this tournament, he gets to either go pro now or he gets to wait until 2026, I believe, um, when he graduates college. He's that young? Yeah. He's like a sophomore in college. I thought he was like at least a junior. No, I think he's a sophomore. Damn. I think he's 20, 21. He's 20 because he couldn't have a beer. That's why I brought him a milkshake. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it was graduates like on the younger side of 20. Grad, yeah, graduates at 18, two years of yeah, college. Yeah, he's, he's sophomore. Going to, he's going, maybe sophomore going to his junior year. Yeah. Because um, this year he's got to play, so then one more year, 2025 to 2026, being his first year out of Jesus college. Jesus Christ. Well, he's going pro. I mean, if he's smart. He is. No, no, he, okay, he yeah, is. yeah, he announced okay, cool. it. I yeah, he announced it. it. He I did announce talk it. about that, like what you would do. Because now there's a little bit of... Um, I mean, I'd go. You, you, you me? I mean, you... you yeah, you go. But now let's just talk a little bit on the hypothetical side of why you wouldn't go. NIL deal. So you know he gets money. Okay. Boosters probably would pay. He's from Alabama. He plays at Bama. Yeah. I guarantee a booster would have paid him a pretty he's, penny to stay. He's got for some. For a little longer. Yeah, yeah. He's got some cash. If he was some sort of like um, social media guy as well, had some sort of marketing ploy to him, you know, there's money there. Yeah, there is. If he really wanted to play college golf and stay with the boys for a little longer, it's not like he's missing the tour card. And he gets to play in the open because he won the U.S. Amateur. Yeah, but then you're not collecting any cash, though. You stay an amateur. Yeah, but, they, you know, you're getting paid from NIL. I would go pro. Very yeah, clear. I'll... Very clear that you should go pro, and I'm glad he is because that's the right decision. Yeah, because how big is that NIL money really going to be? A couple mil. Could be. Really? Sponsorships. With that, I don't know if it would give. You, I would love to see it. Hopefully, we see an offer. Well, does he win the? He gets to collect the money he won now too, correct? Because now he's a professional. I don't think so because he was still a registered amateur. That's really unfortunate. I think I don't. I feel weird saying that, but I I thought I saw that somewhere. That makes because that was my first thought. You know, I'm like, oh my god, this man just won hundred like one point five milli. Just, yeah. a, just a bag thrown his way. Well, now at he 20 gets. Years now old. he basically, if he plays somewhat decently for the rest of the season, maybe he makes two more cuts. He pretty much gets to keep his tour card, right? Winning, he actually he winning. gets his tour card through the twenty twenty six season. Okay, with that win, he secured his PGA tour card for this year and the two years after that. So it's again Crazy. with with that. Like now knowing that he's got three, essentially three full seasons of his tour card, that's enough of a reason for me to turn pro if I were him. Yeah, I'm saying see you, boys. I'm out. Sad, sad to see it. I'm going to go play the freaking, the <laughs> go play the waste management. Yeah. He pulled out of the uh, farmer's insurance because he's like, all right, hold on. I got to like get my life in order here. I'm turning pro. Yeah, I, essentially. Think, that good, I think that was a good call. I think pulling out of the why, farmers. Why is, rush into it? Yeah, you got to go home. You got to talk to your family. Maybe celebrate a little bit. You just changed your life. Um, yeah, guaranteed on the tour for three years. You're going to be making a few milli because you're going to be. I'm sure he, I'm sure, he, you know, he's got to talk to club sponsors now. He probably had to go find a very good agent who's going to be his full-time caddy. Maybe um, go pop on over to live, see what they're going to offer me. 
<laughs> yeah, we got to talk about that too. Um, so the mind, he, you know, Nick Dunlop also has a mind coach like we were talking about briefly. I think it's really important for any professional athlete at that level have to having a mind coach now, whether the team provides it or you seek it on your own if you're trying to get to the next level. I think it only helps. Um, the way these people are teaching now sports, it's such a more open um, dialogue about having performance anxiety that it used to be where it was like a no-no. You didn't have that killer instinct if you did yeah. talk about it. I think it's great. Um, but it's, yeah. really, it's really shedding some light. Um, and, it, and it gives a, the player more power because it's like it's okay to feel that here's how we can, you know, put X, Y, and Z in place to overcome it type thing. And it's great. Right. And for those of you guys who haven't seen and are, are big golf fans... Because we're big golf fans here on the pod, mm-hmm. go go do yourself a favor and watch the interview after he won um, the golf tournament on eighteen, and just like listen to him talk, because he had a good five to seven minute interview. Right, twenty years old, and I thought, where the hell was I when I was twenty years old? And I got stuck a microphone in front of me at twenty in college like that, but I wouldn't be in college. I'd be playing on a professional tour event. How would I handle that situation? The man was so poised and spoke with such confidence, but just uh, just a weird grace about him as well. Right. It was so, and clearly- Said the right thing, said what he needed to say, and it's clearly, nothing dumb. Yeah, and it's clearly because of the sports psychology and dealing with media and all that kind of stuff that these guys are just trained to just almost be like, I don't know, like it's weird, like robotic in a sense, but they're just so well-spoken because you're like, there's no way this guy is 20 years old. Shouldn't be this mature. Right. I mean, it's, it's funny because the sport does grow you up very fast. Um, that, that sport requires and demands yeah. um, a level of maturity. And um, unfortunately, at a certain level of class, you have to carry yourself at, which I do think turned a lot of people away. But um, you have to. It's just what it is. Yeah, or you can just be the John Daly of the world, though. Yeah, and, but I mean, John Daly did carry himself on the like around his group. Oh, yeah, with maturity and you know handled the sport the way it's supposed to be handled for sure. I mean, maybe not the most classy guy in the whole world, but there's very few and far between John Daly's on the tour. Sure, than there are you know whatever Justin Thomas's. Um, I, it was just uh, awesome to see. Now, something bad about golf here, um, the events and going on to live. Uh, the events themselves, the PGA Tour, um, hard to plan, right? Like, who are we trying to see? Where do we need to go? You started doing a really great job at looking at the course map and realizing, okay, if we want to follow this group, we get out to hole four. There's no concessions at anywhere from four, five, six, seven, eight, and until onward. we get to nine. Right. Maybe some bathrooms in between there, but who knows? But we don't know if there's any concessions out in the boonies. And when you're with, you know, other people who maybe aren't into a golf as you are, like walking that many holes in the day can be tough. It's a lot of walking. And you're like, what are we watching? And you also have amateurs. Playing with these professionals yeah, the prom on was Thursday kinda, and Friday. Yeah, the prom was tough. Like, it's tough to watch these amateurs. Not because, like, wow, what a cool experience. They get to go do that. One, they are truly amateurs. Some of them were sticks, but most of them were amateurs. 
It's not, they're not like Nick Donlops out there. No, no. They're like genuinely paid to be in the tournament. They weren't invited. Blah, it's, you, blah, it's, blah. it's you and I. Right. Could it's go and do that. you with a handicap go and play this tournament. And the problem is all these people also have to stop and watch you hit. Yeah. Like there needs to be a new rule where if the amateur is hitting, walking and talking is completely okay. Yeah, they're like yelling at us to like stop moving and stop talking. I'm like, I totally forgot that these guys. I mean, it's no offense because I'm we're, we're there. We're clearly there to watch the professionals, right? You know, um, just tough to like keep track of everyone. There's four players. Yeah, it's like, bro, they're all over the t box, and this guy is nowhere close to me. And if he's out here, and I'm in danger of getting hit while walking, I'd rather be walking than standing still. The ball hurling at me so yeah. at least i'm in the move on it it's just um it's just so annoying when you're like ready to get back home or you're trying to grab a hot dog or you want to grab a beer or you're you're doing something and everyone's like wait 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 it's like what the pros are we're waiting and right. it's like oh this pro and he barneys it and he walks not that far and you have to wait for him again and he barneys it again <laughs> and you're just like okay man it, it's that's the tough part the concessions at the tough man tough bad shitty food uh drinks were extremely expensive thank god for the no um, options thank god for the Michelob tent wow the Michelob tent um that was at all time for sunday yeah the Michelob tent was just birdies and beers so beers were half off on a birdie more more because they were selling at 14 dollars and they were six so they were eight dollars off that's uh, it's pretty intense because every time a birdie would happen on the the hardest hole on the course, like by average, Alcatraz, Alcatraz, yep, it's just uh, a like a hundred and like sixty yard par three, yeah, a little island surrounded by water, yeah, straight into the wind mm-hmm. the whole, whole time. There's no doubt it's into the wind. I was surprised how many pros threw it in the drink. That's it's what, a that's, very intimidating hole. That's what I was honestly surprised about. Right. It was, uh, how many water balls did we see? Well, we weren't even on 17 for that long. I mean, six out of six. the maybe 20, 25 golfers. Long left, rocks. Shank. Shank. I saw a, a shank. 20, feet, 20 yards right, right into the water, basically. Wow. I, I mean, I was probably drinking, running into the line. So it's funny because you wait for a birdie happen, right? But you kind of got a shade towards the bar because it's only good for six minutes. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Right when the birdie hit, everyone run to the line. <laughs> <laughs> and you you only order beer at that moment. You don't get to do any co- cocktails. You get beer and you get out quick. Oh, people are screaming behind you for getting a cocktail. Right. <laughs> no beer way. Beer and out, beer and out, beer and out. Because you can get a cocktail whenever. It was also really fun because the guys that were pouring out the beers, getting them all ready, uh, they were wheeling and dealing, baby. They right. were working for them tips. They liked it. They loved it. They knew exactly what you were there for. Every person's getting two beers and you better have a tap and your cards out and ready. Get out. Yeah, get the card ready. <laughs> How many beers? Um, so that was, you know, other than that, I mean, great time. The Another bad thing about golf here is uh, Liv got another great player in Terrell Haddon, another huge personality. Yeah. Maybe not a top, top, top golfer on the PGA Tour, but he's up there. I'm not bummed about it, to be honest with you, though. I mean, I liked watching Terrell Haddon. He fits Liv so perfectly. I thought he was one of the guys to go first. I thought so. I mean, he's, you know, English. He's got that, like, lax-ish, like, vibe about him, but he, like, cares, but, like... And he's got a crazy fire and heat and passion for the game. He's a great... You seem like you'd be a good team guy. 
Yeah, know? it's just also I'm, I'm going to watch the February tournament um, strictly because it's um, the Las Vegas Country Club. Oh, that's right, dude. Yeah, that's so right. That's I want, I want, yeah, I want to see how it's going to play okay. out because that's secretly one of my top five courses. Um, Ain't no secret, baby. I'm You've hoping they don't blow. The, I'm hoping they don't blow the secret because right now it's a hell of a deal to go play that country club. Um, yeah, well, it's live. They don't really get that many viewers. Yeah, that's true. And they're probably all <laughs> dumb. They wouldn't figure it out. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was. Um, you know, it's a bummer. I just at this point, it's just, it's just killing golf. Um, not just live, but PGA Tour itself as well. It's just you got to loosen it up now. It's there's no option. If you lose another big name, unfortunately, it's probably going to happen. Someone who's really going to pull some crazy weight like a Rom, like if you lose like a Scotty or a Victor Hovland, which has been rumored already. Oh. Like, uh, that would kill me to lose Victor Hovland. Oh, that'd be such a bummer. Like that, those are names that would really pull weight, and if yeah. that's the case, you're just gonna have to let people be invited to live. Not everyone gets to play live, but everyone can play PGA Tour. You got to have that. You have to have the best players show up. Have to. Right, and then everyone can play that's PGA what- Tour events, and there's a certain amount of numbers you have to play. At the PGA Tour, if you're invited to live, you have to play all live events because not everyone can go to live because they can't have 400 teams out there. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain number of teams they want to fill in positions. So you have to be invited to live, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if I you don't know, dude. It. I don't and know. It's just, you know, the best players need to come back. It sucks that, you know... I don't even know what happened with the deal with Monahan. I had no clue. It wasn't getting done, and it was supposed to be done before the the start of the season. But they both agreed that um, it could be extended now because it wasn't getting finalized and whatever whatever is happening in the background, which I assume we'll get an answer sooner than later. It looks like Monahan's a real asshole right re- now. I think he retired. I think he quit. He stepped or down, got right? Fired or something happened. He looks like a real asshole right now, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to do, man. That's that's so tough in his position. Yeah. I mean, I know. Like you're going you're, against you're, a monster. You're playing the cards that you currently have in your hand at that time. And what he did were play the right cards at the time, but he just looks looks you know, foolish. Yeah, he did. I, I, I think the whole PGA Tour should feel ashamed of what they did because if it's really about money in the PGA Tour, it happens to be sitting on a decent amount of money and they're being selfish for all these years and not paying back the players for whatever. Yeah. It's like, there there it is. I mean, that's tough. But also, if the PGA Tour had all this money, why are they letting it happen? Yeah. Right. I would assume the PGA Tour is just sitting on racks of cash. I don't think so, dude. I don't think so either. It's self. So, it's like self-funded, right? Like they don't. Yeah, really... but they, if you listen to Phil and all the other people, they all tell you how it's all BS and they're funded in certain different ways. I'm sure. It's okay. all you know, smoke and mirrors, and they're making hand over fist, and the PGA Tour players are getting nickels and dimes. But I just don't you wish that you just had clarity to all that shit. Yeah, I'm sure at some point we'll watch a documentary five years from now. It's like how live actually in PGA Tour actually became. But that'd be fun. Um, also, when's money enough, man? <laughs> For real, though. Like, you're, I mean, I was watching this PGA Tour event. I'm in Palm Springs, which is possibly like one of my favorite places on earth. 
Yeah, it's great. It really makes me want to think about moving out there. Long really Beach does. is number one for me. My favorite place on earth uh, to live at. It's cemented, stamped. I went to Long Beach actually Sunday. Oh, nice. And drove past all of our old places. As soon as I got off on Palos Verde, a smile on my face. Yeah. Smile, it's, it's got I that, mean, a beaming smile. It's got that vibe about it, dude. It's laid back and it's it's real. It just feels so real. And it feels like, um, you know... You see all different types of um, people and cultures and wealth levels and blah blah blah, and you don't feel like you're um, you're in a rat race, but you're it's visible and you're not feeling like you're getting crushed. Where sometimes in Orange County, it's like that's a one point five million dollar house, that's a one point two million dollar house. Yeah. There's like no sort of like discrepancy in what I'm watching or seeing. For sure, we're in Long Beach. You know, it's also where I've you know spent some of the best years of my life in college and with my friends and all that stuff. So it just has a special place. Yeah. Now, Palm Springs, on the other hand. It's got a lot going for it, dude. Um, it screams mid-30s for me. Screams, like, ready to start a young family. Yeah. Have a house that's, you know, oh, yeah. bigger. Um, hobbies become limited. But the hobbies you want to have are always outdoor-based, basically, because you're going to be inside. And, you know, all the hobbies you possibly can want out there, they're there. Shooting, archery, like, whatever. Yeah. Well, and you can also do all the indoor sports, too. Right. The one sport you probably wouldn't do is soccer. And that's that's okay. I'm not playing soccer. I bet you... Oh, I'm saying, like, for like for kids, if you're, like, going to oh. start them up, like... I bet you they have indoor soccer for kids. For sure. I'm sure they have Basketball, something. gyms. Volley. Volley. Premier golf teams and leagues and coaches. Yeah. Real estate is, like, cheap out there. Tennis would be great. Cheap. And we're talking cheap in California being, like, 550... Now let me tell you because your boy right over here is on the hunt for some for for a home right now and it is yeah it's a it's, you get battered and bruised in that process yeah that, that's to say the least we could sum it up right there and yeah know. it's a it the the real estate out here in California is a very much a now you see it now you don't vibe <laughs> yeah and, dude. It, you and you have to just be willing to throw a bag at it hope it lands. And know that your life's going to suck for a couple of years. Yeah. That's, I, I'm about ready to sign my life away. Yeah. And you know what? It's great. Once you do it, and I'm sure once you get over that hump and that wealth starts to build, because, you know, that's how it all works. Right. That's how they tell you it works. <laughs> um, it makes it easier. But you can do the same thing in Palm Springs for a house that's $575, less, probably more renovated, probably in a nicer area. Brand new. Private community. It doesn't even need to be private, but it's a gated, right. super nice amenities, new builds. They look great. They don't. You don't have any of these like weird, like layouts of homes. You know, you get like you look right. at some of these places and you walk in. You're like, why did they do anything like this? Right. You walk into the kitchen from the front this door. This makes no sense. You, you yeah. walk through the kitchen, then it's your first bedroom with no bathroom. There's two bathrooms upstairs. Both your closets are upstairs, and they're tiny. They're tiny. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, it's like, it's a hobbit. There's no backyard. It's like, okay, this house is about 610000 Hasn't been renovated. It's two bed, two bath. One of the bathrooms do Non-central air, right. built in 1972. And the, oh, and the HOA is going to be $525. And there's no backyard. What, what do you mean? Detached garage and in a bad neighborhood. 
what? Right. <laughs> like it's it's not like you're buying something you're like, oh, I can really see the value in this house. That's no. that was the biggest shock to me when we would go and look at a home that was in the 550 range. And it's not like a knock to those people that own those homes. It's more about, wow, I just thought $550,000 was going to get me way more than this. Yeah. What do you think about 550 grand? That's a lot of cash, dog. You know what's really sad? Go go do a little quick Zillow look at you know, Palm Springs. When that's only two hours away. Hour and a half, no traffic. Hour and a half, no traffic. That's essentially outskirts of Riverside. Beautiful. And Downtown Palm Springs is hot. Great, great bar scene. Great coffee scene. Awesome. Like we were all Good talking. restaurants. Right. Good and, enough. And you can, yeah, good enough. <laughs> good enough for me to save $100,000. Yeah. Or two? Yeah. Save $200,000 and get a home that's the same. Kind of the what you got, and you're paying instead of five fifty, you're paying three fifty, and your yeah. mortgage is like twenty two hundred bucks. And you're just, you know, you can afford a country club membership. Your wife probably doesn't have to work very much anymore. Maybe then, it's just some coming, yeah, rolling off. You can also just renovate the fuck out of your house too at three fifty and make it look amazing. And guess what? You don't have to live there forever. No, build some wealth. Maybe you're over it. Maybe it's time to get back home a little bit. Then you move, but. Yeah, man, there's something special about Palm Circus. And also my favorite part, the people, the amount of people there, I mean, three-fourths of them are chopped. Like, you, yeah. you were dealing with almost no people out there. We walked into a Trader Joe's because we did some of our shopping, and we Saturday, both looked at each Friday other. Friday night at, like, <laughs> 6 Kind of like prime time right after work for, like, the weekend. We had lots, right. lots of football, lots of stuff being happening in that weekend. The next day. Right. Nobody right. ghost town tournament of golf tournaments happening. Yeah. In the town, in the town. And that's why people are also like, oh, you guys are here for the golf tournament. A lot of people are here for the golf tournament. Like where, where, <laughs> where, where, where are, your are people? these people? <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't see anyone. We walked, we had a beautiful Trader Joe's now, like found easy parking, like walked right in. Nobody was in there. Nobody. And it was, it was ghost town. fully stocked. That's you. That is you. You would be so hard pressed to find a, a TJ's. I'll I'll say anytime during the day, anytime over yeah. here. When it opens, when it closes, way more crowded <laughs> yeah. than the Palm Springs Trader Joe's. You have to go like a Tuesday at like ten o'clock to Bro. catch a, a, a break. A, but it's still it's got some people in it still. Right. It was I, we knocked we knocked out our grocery shopping in like forty minutes. We yeah. grabbed everything we needed for the whole weekend and like 40 and planned a whole meal and grocery groceries list was great. Charcuterie board, you know, Katie did uh, a great job getting like the non-perishables, but like we got a lot of stuff right. in like 40 minutes, went to two stores, took 50 minutes. Yeah, it was pretty fire. It was nice. Food and, and having fun. It was a great little 30th, bud. Um, what's, you know, let's let the people go here. This YouTube video is coming up shortly. Um, like comment, subscribe, especially on the YouTube video. We will be posting that um, hopefully within the next week or two. Go ahead and um, comment. Tell us we're dumb. Yeah. Tell us where we're messing up things. Maybe have a tracker about how many things I say wrong and we don't remember names. That was going to be my little uh, little credit. Yeah. Think about the amount of times that we reference a name and then uh, uh, I'm yeah, putting you on an island. Yeah, kind of thing. putting you on an island, baby. <laughs> um, you know, we're on Podbean. 
um, in the Cabbage Pod. You got anything for the people here, buddy? That's a wrap, baby. That's a wrap. Um, I always forget my outro, and I'm going to need your help here. Let me, let me let you do the outro. You're really? going to put me on the spot like that and mm-hmm. leave me on the island? Yep. Well, you know, you're going to be following us here pretty shortly. Let us know in the comments mm-hmm. because we're in the cabbage and we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder, keep swinging. There he is.